hair-checking cherubim pot strewn strategically along the daily. China boys are tying paternosters in preparation for the fray. Tinnies are being towed to target on the Arnhem Highway. Over in Gove, they're rigging up teasers for the big boys. There's an air of anxious optimism at harbourside boat ramps as launch time moves. And in the front bar of the top end pub. So there I am, right? I'm wearing a tutu. I'm covered in shards of terracotta. The prize pot plant's busted. The cat's dead. I have no idea where the tomahawk's gone. Smith. Oh, jeez, bloody hell. Tim? Tim? Oh, jeez, he's done a runner again. Bloody hell. Beard. Tim's bolted again. Looks like you're going to have to saddle up for the tinny again, fella. Come on, you're deckian. Beard? Beard! Oh, he's gone too. I've been deserted. Get your bums in the boat and get on with it. G'day fishers and welcome aboard the Tinny on a week where, well, to be honest, I've been bloody deserted. The crew have completely jumped ship. You know what it's like, it gets a bit difficult sometimes. You gotta put the boat in yourself. You gotta sneak it around the corner a bit and tie it up to a mangrove or a rock so as not to incommode other fisher folk. Then you gotta take the car up and park it and lock it up. Then you gotta run down. Hope your boat hasn't disappeared off into the distance with that dodgy knot or that rock that wasn't quite heavy enough. So that's the way it's gonna be today for the tinny. Unfortunately, it'll only be me delivering the oil of wisdom gleaned from the great fisher folk of the Northern Territory. But luckily, there is you, the great tinny unwashed. Some of you even wash. From whom I've been able to garner some top shelf intel to share around, which I will be pushing in your direction over the next hour, totally unassisted by that useless pack of mongrels, otherwise known as the rest of the tinny crew. Apparently, Tim, you might have uh, remember last week, Tim was so incensed by Kim Jong-un's threat of uh, having a crack at the territory with his nuclear Armageddon umbrella. We fell under the umbrella. Tim was incensed. If you threaten his family, his child, his boat, his motorbike, all the Northern Territory, it just goes off. Went around the whole of the Northern Territory setting up a, a missile defence shield on all the tall buildings. That job done. He still had a fair bit of... Uh, Ordnance left over from uh, Territory Day, sourced on the black market. He had Satan's Fury, he had bad neighbours, he had Mars attacks, and he had a whole gaggle load of grave shakers, earthquakers, and ball breakers. So they're right. The Territory's protected. What am I going to do now? Then he saw on the news that uh, the forces of good, Iraq and the Coalition, were having a bit of trouble wedging that last mob of ISIL rat bags out of Mosul. He said, right! Over he went. 
And it was Tim's ordinance, Tim's Good Territory Day ordinance, that proved the difference. It was the straw that broke ISIS's camel's back. And it was he was instrumental in helping the forces of good rout those rat bags. So I'm not sure where he is now. That job's done. I think he's just sniffing around. He's got the taste for international conflict. I think he's just hanging around international airports somewhere in the Middle East or the Mediterranean with these leftover still surplus ball breakers, grave shakers and earthquakers. Looking for someone else for a stoush. Someone else to clean up. And the beard? Well... This has got to be the worst excuse ever. Apparently, he's got an invitation, a wildcard entry to the Victorian Regional Nude Skydiving Championships. And apparently that was enough that he couldn't say no. It's hard to find reliable crew. We'll be looking around the top end, though. There's a lot of pelagic action, uh, a bit of sail activity. People are heading towards the billabongs. There's a lot going on, and I'll deliver it to you solo, as best I can, right here on Tales from the Tinny. Mullet moments, regurgitated. Adrian's from Woolliana. Oh, you had a croc encounter during the week? Yeah, my mate Peter up the road rang up and he said, can you bring over a broom because there's so much mud in my veranda, I keep on trying to break my neck. There's about a four-metre gap across the lip of the river into the wetlands and uh, water's flowing quite rapidly. And over the years, I have sort of developed the mistaken belief that decent-sized crocs won't sit in fast-flowing water. And I leapt out the boat straight into a bloody croc of, well, uh, over three metres. You landed on a croc at or around three metres? Nodules on his back and something in the brain said, this is not good. (laughs) This this is not the bottom of the Daly River. I leapt the 300 feet in the air, <laughs> landed back in the boat and ripped my, one of my fingernails right off and then I got angry and because the croc couldn't bite me because it stuck between a tree and the boat. So it's trying to turn but it couldn't. So then I beat the shit out of it with the broom. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Always carry a broom is the motto, Adrian. Important warning. Absolutely. Tales from the Tinny. Let's head down the track and catch up with the bloke they call WDW. They call him Stirrups. They call him everything except late for lunch. Warren DeWitt from Rod and Rifle Tucker World in Catherine. And, of course, Il Duce of Afant. Warren, how you going, mate? Oh, I'm very good, Rob. Very happy because uh, Queensland got up and sort of kicked New South Wales butt again the other night, oh, which is dear. pleasing to see. I bet you you're happy. I'm very happy. And you know what makes me happier still, my friend, is that grumpy old bloody Moore's not on the other side of the desk to tell me to stop <laughs> shut up talking about rugby league we should talk yeah. about rugby league for a second Warren wasn't it a beautiful yeah. evening it was a fantastic game Rob it was the best result that you could ask for it was a really good game though even though the score was 22 to 6 I thought you know, New South Wales were playing pretty good they were playing tough football but Queensland just held out longer than what they could handle and eventually got over the top of them so a good game all round. Look, uh, it was a fantastic thing. I, I'm actually going to leave it there because I can see uh, there's a Skype call in coming. I think I know who that's from. Telling him, <laughs> Smith, get on with the bloody fishing, son. The weather, mate, though, we've kicked into a, almost a bit of a dry season and proper spell. 
Yeah, no, it's 15 degrees down here in Catherine this week, so it's getting down um, to where it should be for this time of year. The only problem we've got, obviously, is a strong southeasterly coming through now, so it's shutting down all the golf, and obviously all the top-end waters now are going to be pretty uh, rough as well, so people need to be pretty careful because a lot of people have got sailfish fever at the moment, so they want to get offshore and have a crack and see if they can't get into some of them sails that are floating around off Dundee and that. But at the moment, I wouldn't go too far offshore because it's going to be pretty wild this weekend, I reckon. Yeah, it's certainly looking that way. Uh, what are you hearing sail-wise? Dundee seems to be the epicentre again. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, talking to guys who have been going up there and doing quite well, and obviously the weather has been perfect for people to, to get offshore and not going out in huge boats either, five-and-a-half-metre boats, just in the normal barra boats, basically. Some That's guys been have the been change over recent years, hasn't it, Warren? The people mm. are saying, you know, I can have a crack. If I've got a decent-sized tinny with a, not a major investment in gear, I can have a crack at these billies. Yeah, no, because they're, they're, they're not a big fish that you need to have stand-up gear or anything like that. You, you're basically using spinning rods that are, you know, seven foot long, um, can handle 20 or 30 pound uh, braid and away you go. Because most of the sails are in that 10 to 25 kilos at the most. If you've got one 25 kilos, you're probably doing pretty good. So most of them are small sails, which are good for people to learn and cut their teeth on. They're a little bit more finicky than the bigger fellas, but if you can get them coming up in pods and get them competing against one another, you've got much more of a chance of being able to get one to take a bait and swallow it because they're they're um, competing so hard to, for that food. Whereas if you get them come up in singles, um, it's, they're much more finicky and likely to just drop back off and not pick up the bait. And uh, rigging uh, skipping baits, skipping live bait, or skipping fresh dead baits is uh, seems to be the main way to roll. Yeah, it is, and, and scale it down. Keep them small. Um, put a pink skirt over the top of your gars. Best thing to do is just skip garries. Um, have a teaser. Um, you can make them out of anything, teasers. I've seen them made out of thongs. I've seen them made out of Coke cans. Um, you can buy the proper bird ones if you want to and, and tow them behind your boat, which gives you that little bit of disturbance behind your boat, which uh, teases those sails up and... And then as you get better at it, you can get into the switch and pitch sort of thing where you, you can have your uh, baits out the back that have got no hooks in them, but then you can have liveys or other baits sitting in the, in the tank ready to go and you just pitch them out as soon as you get the sails up. But most of the time to start off with, all you need to really do is just have a, a pattern of skipping gars and don't put them too far. Keep them up near the prop wash, which is one of the best teasers that you can have is a prop wash. And just keep your eye on the bait. I mean, one of the most important things I've learned over the years catching sailfish is you cannot take your eye off the skipping gars for one second. So if someone's driving the boat, always have someone on the rods or have someone looking at the baits. And I normally used to stand up inside of the gunnel and so I'd get a higher look down so I could try and see what's going on at the back. Because all you normally see is just this little stick come up behind your bait like a little windscreen wiper, just t touching at the bait, just trying to mouth it to feel what it is. And if you're not seeing that happen, you'll miss that initial uh, contact with that sail and he'll peel off and maybe swim away and you'll never know that you've just uh, missed a, a good opportunity. Okay, mate, let's move over to our more staple fare, the Barramundi. Uh, how are the rivers looking? Really good on the last set of neeps. Um, the Vic fired pretty well. I was talking to a few blokes who'd been out there and got 25 barra for the weekend on Bloody those hell, set of that's a good Yeah, so this going really good and they're hitting hard. Like they're saying that these fish are silver, uh, saltwater barra and they're, they're, they're smacking their lures really, really hard. So they were catching them all on lures, which is good. And um, it might shut it down a little bit now with this cooler weather coming back through again. But if we go back into a, another warmer pattern a little bit in the next couple, couple of weeks and you 
can coincide that with the neap tides, it would definitely be worth going back down and having a, another crack down on the Vic because there's some good fish in there this year because, A, again, we had that really good wet season, so a lot of that bait's still in the river system and the fish are staying in there as well. So it's a matter of just trawling the banks, looking for that structure under the water, those snags and rock bars, um, and just looking for those fish that are marking on your sound and just persevering over those areas. And it's the same places where we've always been catching them, down near Growler's Bar, on the Big Bend, just before Green Island. All those places are producing fish on the right set of tides at the moment. And uh, the daily, how's it? Look, we're hearing mixed reports from the daily, a lot of little fish, and, uh, well, those who know how to go about it yeah. are still getting fish. That's right. You've got to put the hours in down there, I suppose. Um, there are a lot of little fish in amongst the better size fish, um, but they are still catching 60s and 70s as well as the 45 up to 55 centimetre barrel, which is the main stable of fish that are in there at the moment by the look of it, which is really, really pleasing to see because it obviously goes good for the next couple of years that we've got a really high recruitment of um, smaller barra coming through for the next couple of couple of wet seasons or next couple of years anyway. any rate. So a lot of those little fish, you know, will always beat those barra to the lure, the bigger fish to the lure, because they're more selective in their feeding times, the bigger fish, where the little fellas are always using energy, so they're always consuming food, so they're always looking for that easy tucker. But having said that, if you go again on the tides that are just coming off the neaps and building to the springs, where you've got that clear water, but the water's got a bit of movement in it, that's when the bigger fish seem to come out and play. Over the neaps, when it's too neap, You'll get a lot of those juvenile barra, but then on the bigger, as it moves into the bigger tides or as the water starts to pick up, that's when the bigger fish seem to come around and start popping their heads up. So look at the tides, pick your days as best you can, which is probably midweek next week, probably Tuesday or Wednesday would be the ideal opportunity if the, the weather doesn't um, get too cold and put them off. Good on you, Warren. Uh, it's been lovely to have a chat with you without being interrupted by the the scruffy bin grub on the other side of the <laughs> other side of the desk. Even though it's always a bit hard what? going on a solo trip, you know, you got a man anchor and tiller and uh, crack your own beers and everything. I oh, know. Where is he this week? Ah, oh, well, he's he's looking for action. He's got a taste of this international uh, settling down international disputes. Kim Jong Un out. Kim Jong-un, he's not going to have a crack at the territory anymore. He's, he went over, he had some surplus, he went over and sorted out those those bloody ISIL mob over in Mosul. So I think he's just a, a mercenary with weapons at the moment. He's looking for someone, he's just looking for a blue. He might have to pull on Donald Trump. <laughs> see if he can't sort him out of it. He might have to too. Well, keep no. it posted, mate. Good on you. Oh, all right, buddy. Get a mullet up, ya. Go on. You've been dying to try. And there's no time like the present. Tales from the Tinny. Indeed it is. The solo vessel today. Manning tiller, anchor rope, esky and lunch board. All on me Pat Malone have been deserted. Deserted. But I'm kind of liking it, I must admit. Got a bit of elbow room. Can do what I want. Lewis Tiraparaha. I hope I've got that right, Lewis. Tiraparaha. Big mobs of Mackies. Caught these out at the oil rig over the weekend on light gear. Counted over 12 boats out there on Saturday night. Lost more lures than we could count. The biggest fish was 113. But we lost bigger on the lures we lost. Managed to make it out there at a 4.5 metre tinny. Totally worse the risks involved, says Lewis. Good on you, mate. I happened, uh, I was lucky enough to have Zed 
chaperone me out there with another bloke on the weekend, last weekend on Sunday. First time I've been out to see the rig. It's very impressive. Smash some tuna. There was a lot of tuna boiling around there. There was only two or three boats when we were there. Got some Max wider out too. But the schools of tuna were thick. Mac tuna and long tail. Very nice trip indeed. And thank you, Zed, for being a magnificent skipper. As many people will know, the skills of the Zed in the skipping department. George Moose's been fishing in between work and me clacker off. That's because you're a good, hard, honest working soul, George. G'day, Rob. Still getting amongst the dewy, some up to 120 centimetres. Got some gold, dew, coral trout, salmon and blue bone off the top of Charles on Sunday. Was good on the way out like glass. Put me spine through me head on the way back. One and a half metre waves rolling in from portside all the way back until near Mandora where it flattened out. Thank dot dot dot. He says. Sent some pictures in too, George. Some lovely fish. Good jewies. Haggis has given us a hoy from over the Gulf. Haggis, the resident bard of the tinny. G'day, boys. Carumba boat ramp. 96 boat trailers in the parking lot. The Vicks outnumbered the New South Welshmans. Not a jolly territorian in sight. All chasing Grunter. Must be the Grunter capital of Australia. Cheers, Haggis. For keeping an eye on the ramps around the, around the top end. And keeping on the, uh, the poetic theme, actually. This is uh, from another gym. Not the gym earlier on from Hope Inlet. Dear Tinny Boys, I regularly listen to the show as a potty mullet and laugh my way through each episode. My wife and I had a brilliant three-day trip to Dundee with Captain Watt a couple of weeks back. Have included a few pics and it looks like the crew did um, very well indeed. I also put together a little verse to encapsulate our trip with Waddy. Now, I'm a very amateur poet. So amateur, in fact, that this may be the one and only poem I ever write. Well, if that's so, Jim, just make sure you give it all you've got, mate. Give it all you've got. Thanks for all the work in putting the show together. Regards, Jim from Molong. So, let's see, uh, let's see just how amateur Jim is or how professional. On the high seas with Captain Watt, a brilliant bloke, fish or not. In chasing the fish, he has a special skill. If they are there, find them he will. You wouldn't find a more patient guide. Teaching his clients gives him great pride. Be it in the reefs or on the river, Waddy will definitely deliver. Big goldies in the bait ball and barrow over the bars. Dundee's the place to play and have a few jars. Tales from the Tinny. Nice work, Jim. Well done, I say. Well done, old chap. You're listening to Tales from the Tinny. Get them well up, ya. <laughs> G'day, I'm Kyle from Wallagi. Had a bit of a rough crabbing trip recently, Kyle. Uh, probably as rough as it gets, I guess. <laughs> um, yeah, we started off, we uh, put in at Saltwater Arm around lunchtime and uh, it was looking good. We had all the pots ready, got the bait ready. 
actually uh, boosted across to Chad's Creek. We're setting up the pots there. How far travel across to Chad's Creek is it? Oh, it's about half an hour in the boat. Mm. Put the pots in, and we'd had our first lift, and we got seven in the first lift, so we were absolutely cheering. Nice. Yeah, we were set for a really good day. Pulled up, and uh, we were having a beer under the tree waiting for the next lift. As you do. As you do. And um, the motor wouldn't start. So we've tried it, and we've tried it, and we've tried it. We said, oh, hang on, something's not right here. And then um, we've said, oh, well, we better get out of this creek at least because the tide is going to start pushing in, and if we have to row, it's going to be very hard getting out. You don't want to be stuck up the back reaches. No, and obviously no one can see you up where we were. So we started pushing out. That was hard enough getting out of the creek against, against the tide that was starting to come in. Then we so got... you had some decent paddles? or What, what were you rowing with? Um, we call them paddles. They're about the size of my arm. We were paddling with in this dinghy. Anyway, we've, we've got out to the front and um, we were sort of like, all right, that's, that's the first part done. Yeah, but when we realised there was no one to be seen or there's nothing around, we sort of knew we were in trouble and we are going to have to row our way back. So as we're coming across the bay back in, we've been pushed with the wind and um, the tide sort of set us in the right direction, which was helping at that point. So we're battling at first, now it's helping us. But then we get pushed into the mangroves and the trees and we had to battle against trying to get sucked into the Adelaide River. <laughs> so once we got to the trees across the bank um, near Adelaide River, we um, pulled ourselves through the trees and across the waves to get ourselves into saltwater arm. Me and my old man were looking at each other just like, we, we cannot stop because if you stop, you ended oh, up... This, back... is for, this is for the old man, yeah, yeah, Shane. Yeah, 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 it was a great, great day. A great bonding day yeah. for father and son. Yeah, no, it was, it was look, it, it was an experience. But once we got into Saltwater Arm, the tide changed and it was getting on night time now. So it was about six o'clock or something like that. And the Mozzie t- starting to come out? I think we could feel our arms, a lot of mosquito bites. <laughs> And if you stop to go and grab a drink or something, you know, you're going backwards. So we were quickly rowing, quickly rowing, like it was never going to end, really. And then once we got up the creek, um, the tide really started pushing out. And that's when the trouble started of trying to fight the tide. And you're looking at a tree and you can swear that you'd just passed that before. <laughs> so we seen the boat ramp and we're like, all right, the end's here. And once we pushed across... We got to the other side where the tide was ripping through and we just had to push back across, pull ourselves along the tree, go um, upstream a bit and sort of float back and then push to the boat ramp to get there. So quite an experience. So uh, how many hours rowing? Roughly about six. Six hours, I reckon. How many crabs? Seven. What do you reckon the balance of the day was? Was it uh, six hours Six hours rolling for seven crabs, a fair deal? It, it was looking, it was shaping up to be good off the first lift, but the, the crab quota per hour didn't really balance out in the end, I don't think. We were happy to get the land on the boat round, I'll tell you that much. So what was the uh, post-mortem on the motor? Uh, if we think it was the, the battery was playing up. Oh, it had just been for... We got the contribution from the peanut gallery. The curse of the serviced motor strikes again. It had just come back from the doctors, had it? Yeah, it was all all, um, fixed up, and it was like it hummed across there, no worries. Um, And then just nothing after. Once we'd lifted that first pot, we said, "Uh uh-oh, what's going on here? And we couldn't pull start. There's no pull start on it, so we pulled the top off, tied some rope around, and tried to do the old manual pull, but then we realised, look, we're taking up too much time in this creek. If we don't get out of here, we're going to be stuck here overnight, so... Wow, the epitaphs, the gravestones around the joint that might have written on it. The motor just got serviced. It's, it's a stroke of disaster, isn't it? Yeah, that's it. <laughs> okay, you do.
Kyle Duvendans there, doing it hard. On a trip out with his old man Shane. Shane Doobie. A lot of people would know around the joint. Now this is something that bears a little bit more investigation. I think I need to get the tales from the Tinny investigative team onto this. This issue. I myself have been bitten by it. The rate of failure of engines taken directly from a service. The curse of the service. Yo, officials, lock up your drag. These are beats from the top end. Bullet militia coming at you. Keeping it real. Soldier, <laughs> the man. Don't let the butterflies stinging like the bees. Hero Nakamura got nothing on me. Yo, bullet militia on a sacred mission. We knocked up their helm into holy ground stations. Check it, my chariot. Full up with the toys. Bullet on the move. It's always full noise. Get into the zone. Switch to silent running. Stalking like a ninja. Quick mouth, color change, flick it to a fold. Lock load, cast, go hard or go home. We're lying, we're cheating, catch quicks, we're damned. Our eyes are on the prize, it's barrel on the man. When they're buffing like cannons, yeah, on again. Can't scratch your nuts, yeah, on again. Blood is pumping, arms are yeah, sore. You scream and you roar, yeah, on again. On again, on again, yeah, yeah on again. again. When your drag is screaming, yeah, on again. When your thumb's been smoked, yeah, I'm the man, what's the plan? It's power of the man. This is what it's all about. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the man. Gotta understand that this is dual began, so start cracking the can. Cause it's power on demand. On the casting deck stand, get your tackle in hand, check the respect you command. Cause it's power on demand. Champions, cold beer in the hot sun. Cast the tree, repeat, until the job's done. Catch release, take a picky for the fans, cause that's the way we roll, it's power on demand. Champions, cold beer in the hot sun. Cast the tree, repeat until the job's done. Catch release, take a picky for the fans, cause that's the way we roll. Barrel on demand. Uh, g'day, Roger Sinclair here. The Silver Fox himself. Ah, uh, well, yes, uh, previously perhaps known as the Fox, but when you get older, you know, get a bit uh, grey around the edges. Once a fox, always a fox, mate. So they say. You've been hitting the harbour for Barrow lately, a tale involving a particular tree. Of course, there are those uh, trees that uh, Barrow think are quite prime real estate, and they're probably the ones that uh, on a certain stage of the tide that I'm always keen to uh, check out. Yeah, hit the harbour uh, Sunday. Um, tide wasn't quite as I would have liked. It was uh, about a 2.6 low, and I would have perhaps preferred a bit lower. But when you when you can't go every day of the week, you can only go when you can go. So that was uh, that was the day, and uh, the uh, the run out tide was a bit slow. Um, we didn't encounter too much uh, on that until late into almost the bottom of the tide. Um, my mate picked up a nice uh, thready off a little gutter. Uh, and not long after that I got a barrow of the same place. Once the tide started to push in a bit, that, that spot pretty much shut down, so I thought, well, we'll, uh, we'll explore this um, mangrove edge as the tide comes in over the flats and always uh, that part of the tide where 
the water's just flooding into the mangroves is always a prime time. What happened? We went along for oh, some couple hundred metres, I suppose, and uh, the tide at this stage had probably pushed, uh, I suppose there would have been uh, two to three feet of water around the base of the mangroves, you know, closest to the leading edge of the tide, uh, which is sort of an ideal situation. Uh, coming up to a tree and I thought, hmm, that looks like a bit of promising real estate. And uh, as we sort of got into range, you know, put a couple of casts in and uh, one of the casts I got a bit uh, over-exuberant and uh, looped the, uh, the, the lure over one of the branches. And I thought, oh, oh well. I'll just wind slowly and I'll flick it over that branch. But unfortunately I didn't get that far because it got nailed by a barra. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and that was uh, quite a situation because I couldn't get him over the branch. And at one stage uh, he had me about th around about three different branches uh, until such point that we parted company. Anyway, I grabbed a, a spare rod I had, really rigged up, and sent a second cast uh, back in after where I'd lost the fish and, and uh, a couple of twitches wind the lure up and blow me down if uh, another bigger barrow didn't spin out and uh, nail the lure just about off the rod tip. So I'm attached to another pretty lively fish of about, uh, you know, 65 centimetres and, you know, I'm uh, right on the edge of the tree. So I had probably less than two rod lengths out when it hit the lure and I saw it come up and, and take the lure right in front of me and I thought, oh, OK, well, we're in a bit of strife here. But anyway, we were lucky enough to get out and get the fish out. We sort of got in position again and I shot another cast in. Blame me dead if an even bigger fish didn't barrel out and uh, now I'm a soft plastic. Once again, you know, less than uh, two lengths of uh, line out. So I was in a bit of a predicament at that stage because the, uh, because the wind had actually pushed us into the tree and uh, I've got this rampaging fish that's flying around in all directions under the tree and over the branches and, of course, uh, I'm trying to get the uh, electric fired up to get us out of there and the wind's pushing us in and... Anyway, all was good and we got the fish out. Yeah, that, that, that close quarters uh, fishing like that, right underneath the tree, gets your heart going, doesn't it? Man, it's a, it's a hard stop, especially when you see a, a barrow just drift out from under the branch and you know, nail your lure right in front of you and that's, it's all over very quickly, you know. So it was uh, white knuckles and uh, thumb locks and the uh, fish was absolutely going berserk, as you might imagine. So you lost one and caught two barra all on the same tree. It's a pretty good tree. You could describe this tree for us, Roger, sort of, you know, uh, approximate height, uh, shape of trunk, uh, GPS location? Uh, mangrove, uh, Latin name I'm not 100% sure of. Um, oh, come on, mate. <laughs> horizontal structure is important. Oh, there's, a, there's a strong tip for you. Good. This time of year, generally speaking, you know, barra tend to slow down a bit. Are there techniques that you employ in the harbour this time of year, especially? Well, this time of year, the, the water tends to be a bit uh, cooler than, than uh, of course. Uh, so, you know, it is a good tactic uh, if you're trying for Barra to look where the warmer water might be. And, of course, this time of year, uh, up on the flats, the shallow areas, or was a bit of exposed, uh, shallow, rocky, sort of gravelly country, is always a, a good place to look because the Barras will seek out that bit warmer water this time of year. And you've been talking uh, soft plastic, so you know, just give me a little bit of an insight into colour and size. I tend to uh, fish probably um, smaller plastics in the harbour, you know, your 75, 80 mil size. Can, uh, you can go smaller too, but uh, that's a pretty good uh, size to be able to work comfortably and also you know, very effective. Your traditional greens, chartreuse, pearl whites uh, always tend to work pretty well this time of year.
There's an old saying, uh, uh, how does it go? If it's not chartreuse, it's of no use. <laughs> <laughs> nice talking to you, Roger. Yeah, no problems, anytime. Of course, the hoying just never stops. It's a cacophony of hoys. You can hoy us in many fashions. On Faceache, fishing at abc.net.au. The old reliable brick through the window. Or just if you see us walking around the joint, come and tap us on the shoulder and go, Hoy! Tory Sinclair is giving us a hoy. Just wondering if you boys could put a shout out to the bloke that picked up my bait board off the Dundee Road on Sunday Arvo. If you could return it, that'd be awesome, but if not, no hard feelings. I might have to get one of them 120YYY real red go fast tickets to put on the next new bait board. That'd be good, fella. We're waiting with bated breath. Breath smelling like bait for the sticker to turn up. It will come. But it won't be this afternoon. Cheers, fellas. He says, keep up the good question mark, question mark, question mark work. I think he's having a crack there. Jim has also been tapping us on the shoulder via fishing at abc.net.au. Had a great morning at Hope Inlet on Saturday. Nine big-ass buck crabs and home by 12.30. That's a beautiful day at the office, Jim. Oh, hang on. Slipping ass overhead launching the boat at 08.30 did take the edge off it, however. That'll do that. Orthopaedic surgeon. Oh, wow, okay. When we talk surgeon, we're getting serious. Orthopaedic surgeon will be reattaching the, here we go, supraspinatus tendon of the left shoulder on the 18th of this month. Bloody hell, he says. Well, he didn't say that. I've inserted bloody hell. He said something else. That tiller steer hornet was murder. Shoot it. Share it. Shout it. Give us a boy. Hello, my name's Kelly and I'm from Palmerston. G'day, Kelly from Palmerston. You've been uh, fishing corroboree a bit. Well, every, every week or so for quite a while now. Yeah, since it's open, we've been trying to get out there every fortnight or so just to um, get the practice in for the secret women's business in September. September, so still a way off, um, putting in the hard yards early. Yeah, the boat's going to be out of action for a few weeks when we get some modifications done on it, so I thought I'd better get in while I can. So, how's it been looking? You would have seen the progression over the period as the water's dropped? Yeah, well, when I went out there the first time, it was um, I hardly recognised it. There were no lilies at, at all and then over the last few weeks I've just noticed that the lilies are starting to come back and hopefully they'll come back before um, September and we'll be able to find some more fish. So how's it been fishing for you? We've been catching a ton of fish. My husband and my friend Anne we've been going out and easily 10 to 15 barramundi each but they've all been tiny from 20 centimetres up to maybe 50-55 and tonnes of togas from the same sizes. The biggest toga we've got was about 83. That's a good toga, though. I know. I'd like to get that in the comp. Yeah. Mm. So uh, they're good scoring fish in the comp, I'd imagine, togas? Oh, they're not as good as the barra, but, um, you know, sometimes you 
have to rely on quantity as opposed to the quality. But an 80 centimetre toga is going to seriously outpoint a, a 30 centimetre barra. Well, a 30 centimetre barra doesn't get any points, but it would definitely outscore a 40 centimetre, 40 odd centimetre barra. Yeah. What's the lower margin for the scoring fish on the barra? I think it's actually 40 centimetres is the smallest fish that you can score points on. Tag and release them and... We're hearing right across so many waterways across the top end that uh, there is thousands of rats, which is just bodes so well for the future, doesn't it? Yeah, well, um, went to Daly about, I don't know, six weeks ago, and again, 30, 40, 50 fish were caught in my boat, and um, they're all under legal size. Yeah, just one after the other, every troll. Mm. So, yeah, but it's really good for the future whether it's at Daly or at Corroboree or anywhere for the future, it's fantastic. I'm excited. I can't wait to see all the rats in Corroboree next year, you know, getting bigger. They must be having like a field day out there eating because there's no big barras. They all took off when the wet came. So what's been your technique? What's been the most successful sort of way? Oh, hang on. You got a bit cagey there. I don't want to give too much away for the comp. (laughs) Oh, no, just casting a lot, just using the soft plastics and when we do the trolling just um hard body lures yeah if anyone knows me they know that i actually forget what lure i've actually caught a fish on (laughs) like i'm so excited to catch fish that i don't even realize what lure i've caught it on and when people say oh you know what did you use i'm like oh uh ask ann (laughs) (laughs) so there's a month or two before the comp still how the lilies coming along you think there'll be some decent cover well, in a two-week period, I've noticed that they've definitely grown. I'm off to Corroboree again tomorrow, just having a couple of hours fish out there, and um, I expect to see a little bit of difference, even in a week. Have you noticed what the water temperature is out there? Oh, 26. It has been quite cool. So, you know, once it heats up, I'm sure more fish will be on the chew. Okay, we better give some credit here. Firstly, uh, what's Hubby's name, and then uh, a bit of a shout-out to the rest of the crew who you're fishing with at Corroboree for the comp. Yeah, well, um, my crew for Corroboree is uh, Karina Schmidt and Anne Griffiths, and my poor suffering husband is Eddie Carroll, who um, I wouldn't know anything without him, so he's awesome. And what are your fish as? What's your team name? Uh, We're called Silver Caviar in the Secret Women's Comp. Go the Silver Caviar. Good on you, Kelly. Thanks, mate. No worries. See ya. Kelly Carroll, prepping for the comp season and going all right. Now, you might remember Kelly. Last year, she was lucky enough. No, no, she was skilled enough, skilled and determined enough to bag a 10K fish. I reckon she'll be looking forward to this year's comp as well, see if she can back it up. Yeah, Steve Cacchetti, uh, Territory Boy. Alice Springs originally. Uh, just got back from South America, Bolivia. Did a bit of a trip to the Amazon there. Go have a look at the Pink River Dolphins and do a bit of piranha fishing. Basically in a uh, dugout canoe, fairly long one. You could fit about 10 people in it. Yeah, we had these handmade lines. Just a bit of a stick with a bit of line wrapped around it and um, these hooks, really small hooks very long shank on them and then on top of that was another little bit of wire just to protect it from uh, getting broken off by their teeth. Pulled up, found a good little spot under a shady tree. The river's pretty much like the Adelaide River in flood, a little bit smaller. Um, The whole area we're in 
is like the Pappas, it's pretty much the uh, identical to the Adelaide River floodplains. Yeah, the fight of the piranha is um, probably like a little mangrove jack. They're, they're quite savage, they hit you really hard. And it's good fun, you can, you, know, you can feel them, they've got a little bit of go about them, you can feel how savage they are. Yeah, for bait, they just use uh, normal meat, yeah, just a bit of steak. I don't know, I'm not sure whether they're one of the smartest fish in the water or not, but they just seem to take the bait. We, we fed them up, they're certainly going to be fatter for the next person that comes along. Apparently they are good eating, but uh, we never got to find out, because we, unfortunately we never landed one in the boat. The one thing that was missing from the Amazon was barra. Certainly, after spending a bit of time overseas, I was happy to get back to Darwin and uh, chase a few barra around. Tales from the Tinny. There's a bloke who loves the territory. You've got to love all the relentless comparisons to the territory. Piranha? Just like fighting a mangrove jack. Bolivian River? Sort of like the Adelaide in flood. You can take the boy out of the territory, but you can't take the territory out of the boy. Now, you may remember this week, I've got a report, I've got a disturbing report, a disturbing issue to raise. You may remember a Dave last week, been fishing down Red Cliffs Way and drilled a personal best, cracking Goldie, 75 centimetre. But there was some issues with, well, fake ownership. Good fight to get it up. Dad was hanging off the back of the boat. He hasn't seen a decent-sized snapper in a while. He was definitely getting a couple of photos with it, sending it to some people. But Did he try and claim it? Yeah, yeah. Oh, everyone on the boat's claimed it. <laughs> yeah, my mate Tom, he's claimed it. Uh, Dad's tried to claim it. They've come unstuck, I've found out. But, yeah, no, they, they know what they've done. Shame. Yeah, yeah, it's not good at all. Now, yes, shame. Now, we did mention this on the show last week. And we called it a yellow card. It was very close to a dishonourable mention. In the meantime, sources, anonymous sources, anonymous well-placed sources, have sent me some more intel on this issue. Actually, a photo. So we've had Dad try to claim the fish. We've had Mate try to claim the fish. Now I've got photographic evidence that Mum Kim Arnold has also tried to claim this fish. I'm flabbergasted. What the hell is going on in this family? What sort of values does this show to the honourable young man that you're bringing up in the world? Sorry, the yellow card is no longer appropriate. This is the full Monty. In recognition of acts of exceptional stupidity, blind buffheadery, unmitigated ignorance and abject obnoxiousness. Lower your head in shame, you shonky shyster, as we bestow on you the Tales from the Tinny Dishonourable Mention. Shame job. Jewish 
G'day, I'm Sean from Anaconda. Had a bit of a sneak around the points on the weekend, chasing some pelagics. How'd you go, mate? Yeah, it was all right. Um, went out to Lee Point early uh, for the outgoing tide. There's a few around. We got one tuna, and then it went dead before the low, so we thought we'd go across towards Six Mile Boy for the incoming, and we found them in between Six Mile and Mandora. Heaps of schools, mixed queenies and tuna. Couldn't get them on anything. We're trying chromies, trying uh, bucktail jigs, trying everything, hitting nothing. Tried to swim in a stick bait, wouldn't hit that, and then started skipping it in and it was game on. And they were all over it. Aerial strikes, queenies or tuna didn't matter. They were just loving it. So the stick bait across the surface was the key? Yeah, even um, blind casting when they weren't busting up, they were coming out and smashing it. Any particular thoughts why? Well, I did see some long time get smashed up. You couldn't match the tiny, tiny bait. So what size were the stick baits? Uh, 150 mil biblical stick baits. And uh, the tuna, what size were they? And what variety? Uh, long tail, uh, just medium. They're all the same size. So, But some pretty good queenies. Yeah, around a metre. It was mainly tuna. I probably got about five tuna and three queenies. And then I gave my rod to my decky because he wasn't catching anything. And he got a tuna and a queenie, then he lost the lure. And then we went home. <laughs> And all on that same sort of section of the tide? Yeah, incoming. Started incoming, yeah, for a couple of hours. Now, you're uh, doing it hard for the last couple of hours in the shop here. You've got a big, <laughs> you've got a big trip lined up uh, over the next week. Tell us uh, where you're headed. Heading to Willoughby in Arnhem Land for a week. Fish the Mini Mini for Barra, etc. And a um, bit of blue water on the other side. A big crew of folks going, including you're taking a 16-month-old, did you say? Yeah, taking my little daughter. She's never been camping or out in a boat, so that'd be interesting. She'll be able to get a good smorgasbord of uh, seafood, oysters and all sorts out there, crayfish, cold trout, so should be good. The tides aren't ideal, but it it, you still catch fish out there. It doesn't really matter that much. Perfect. That's the life you want to indoctrinate this 16-month-old into. This is living, my daughter. Yeah, that's it. She loves a fish. She's not bad on the tooth. <laughs> Good on you, mate. We'll catch up with you when you get back and get a report, eh? No worries. We'll do. Tales from the Tinny. Yeah, good day. It's uh, Steve Compain from uh, Tackle World Kulalinga. 
and I'm Simon from Arafira Bluewater Charters. Boys, it was quite the epic runoff. What has that kind of meant for the dry season in your observation so far? Um, it's been awesome, mate. It's been awesome. The fish, the, the barra fishing's been great. Um, there's just lots of little juvenile fish everywhere. It's um, offshore parts been exceptional. I've had good reports of every day with, with like the crabbing in the harbour's been exceptional. Um, good catches of jewfish in close, like even in the harbour, the good good goldies getting caught also. The charters have been exceptional. The, you know, some of our three to four day charters offshore has been. Um, Let's get away from the fish, there's just too many fish. You know, um, it's just um, unreal, you know. And the weather's been pretty awesome too. We've had a few rough days, but otherwise the weather's been really good, good dry season. A few people have been going out the rig lately. What have you been hearing about that? Um, it's been some really good reports. Like, it's pretty crazy. During the day, um, a lot of um, trevally, queenies, that sort of thing. And then it's crazy. Then nighttime you're getting um, a lot of Spanish mackerel, cobia, just different species. There even some good species on the bottom, like um, trout and snapper getting caught on the bottom. So, yeah, I wish we had an artificial reef like that permanently. It'd be awesome. <laughs> a little bit closer to town. Yeah, I reckon we could spread three or four of those along the coast, mate. It'd be yeah, fantastic fads. <laughs> uh, in terms of uh, the tuna, one thing that's come up a fair bit is that there's there's not the sort of large schools of tuna that you that you often see. There've been like small schools, like bust ups, kind of hard to chase. Um, well, I was out there last Saturday. I had no choice because my decky didn't show up, so I was um, nominated as decky for the day. And we come across some really big schools, but these were out near sort of wide off Lorna. Uh, we picked up a couple just trolling through them. Heaps of mackerel, like um, we were throwing out two rigs at a time. Had 14 people on board. They all got one fish each within sort of half an hour. Then we moved on. Um, next stop, um, 15 jewfish. <laughs> Seriously? I'm serious, but a lot of them were only, there was about four about a metre long and a lot of them were around that 60 centimetre size. But I still had my job cut out filleting and cleaning those and um, next stop we got some nice goldies. So, you know, and I did see lots of schools of tuna out wide, there were acres of them. So it was, and you could see them jumping, they are all good sized tuna also, you know. Just quickly on the, on the, on the filleting front. Have you got a preferred fish that you, you're sort of like, oh, no, that's a, this one's a piece of piss, but this one, oh, God, yeah, I just can't be bothered. Um, well, really, mackerel are probably the easiest. You know, they're, they're, they're pushover. And then you start to get to your jewies and other things with a lot more bonier and that, they get harder. Uh, I totally hate um, threadfin salmon because they're just all bones. You've got a monster fish and you get this bit of fish off it. But, yeah, definitely mackerel have to be the easiest. Another thing that's come up uh, recently a lot is that the salies are still going strong. Uh, Steve, has this been true in your uh, observations? Yeah, there's been really good reports. Um, like Shane was out there the other week, he got one little marlin, dropped eight. Um, there's other customers all coming in with good reports of fish. I think it's just all the bait schools, good wet season, just, yeah, I don't know whether the current line's coming closer or what it is, but, um, and it's quite interesting with all these juvenile marlin too, like, they're only small fish, but they mustn't be um, very old, you know, so there must be good spawning areas close close by. Well, Simon, you uh, you actually got a piece of this action yourself on the weekend. Uh, where, where were you chasing sailies? We heard all the reports of all, all the all the sailies and stuff getting net caught off Dundee, and I've, I've never actually done it on my own before, so I got a few marks off, off the guys off, off the Facebook site and um, headed out with me and my brother. Talked to a lot of people trying to learn how to how to rig up baits and teasers and that sort of stuff. So 
we got out there, rigged ourselves up and started trolling around the marks and um, got very bored very quickly because we didn't see any fish for, for quite, quite a while and um, we finally saw one tree jumping. Yeah, once we got up on him, we found a, a pot of about six um, and they all scattered very quickly and uh, didn't come back again. So we were a little, little bit disappointed at that stage. So we headed back in a little bit closer to some grounds a bit closer and yeah, we looked out the back and there was a sailor on one of the baits. Um, it started screaming off and I'm trying to clear other lines and a second one come up into, into our spread. So both run in different directions and I'm still trying to clear lines and teasers and that sort of stuff. So I landed mine first, I got, grabbed him by the bill and held him over the side. Um, so we're both really, really happy about it. Uh, we we're jumping up and down and, and having a great time over it. So, what was it like? What is it about sort of the fight of a of a sailie that um that kind of gets you going more so than other fish? Just the fact that it was for, for, they weren't overly big, but they still peeled a lot of line. They were still hard, a hard fight, and and the jumps they look awesome jumping. Um, the colours in them in the water, just that electric blue colour and purple and that sort of stuff in them, and yeah, they just look awesome, really awesome in the water. You hear that general rule of thumb with sort of pelagics, clearer water, neeps, better. Is it pretty much true in your experience? Well, I think it is. Um, when we fish some of these further grounds, we fish them only on the neeps. When the water's a lot clearer, the visibility's a lot better, so it seems to work better with the, the lures. Yeah, pretty crazy springs moves. because we've had not much movement during the day. Like, we've had sort of two-metre lows, and then we had these one-and-a-half-metre lows at night. So I was quite surprised when we went out wide the other day. I was, I was just decking, as I was saying. And um, the skipper decided, oh, we're going to go out and catch some Mackies. And even though I thought it was too big a tides, it was, the water was quite clear out there. And as soon as we pulled up, it was just double hook up, double hook up, double hook up, you know. And you guys got big plans for the next neeps? Um, hopefully, if, if the weather clears, uh, if, it's not, if it's not windy, then I'd like to head back out and chase a sail. Um, I'm not... Not too keen on being in a little boat in, in the rough. Uh, I don't mind it in a charter boat, but, um, yeah, I don't want to be out there in, in the rough in, in, in my smaller boat. But, uh, yeah, hopefully head out and chase another sail again. All right, boys. Happy fishing and uh, <laughs> thanks for your time. No worries. Thanks, guys. Cheers, man. Well, that just about wraps the tinny up for another fine week, a solo week. Solo week, it's been tough on Tiller and Anchor Rope. Thanks to Kyle, Derby, Kelly from Corroboree, Roger Sinclair, the Silver Fox, Sean Anderson, Steve Compain and Skipper Simon, Steve the Piranha Wrangler, Warren DeWitt as always. Most of all, thanks to you, Fishers, for your contributions and keep them coming, fishing at abc.net.au or Tales from the Tinny on Faceache. Catch you next week.